Well, good morning, everybody. Let me welcome you again to Hershey Free Church. My name is Nick Mance. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Um, If you're new, visiting with us, if you haven't been here in a little while, we are in a series that we have called The Struggle is Real. This has been a series that I know for me personally has been incredibly challenging. There's been a lot of conversation that this series has, has called up even within my own self. As we've looked at topics ranging from family of origin to abuse to anxiety and depression and to lust. And then this week, we are dealing with the topic, the conversation of gender and identity. This is a conversation that when Pastor George pulled me aside months ago and he says, Nick, guess what we're doing? We're going to address tough topics. He goes, guess which one you get to do? And I sat there and said, ha, 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 yeah, what? And he goes, no, seriously, I want you to teach on this topic. And I looked at him and I said, George, I have never felt more ill-equipped to speak on a conversation than this one. But the reality is over the past two and a half months, I've engaged in conversations with people. I've read multiple books, listened to multiple stories and, and, and people who are much more learned than I am in the conversation surrounding gender and identity. And what I've come to realize is this. We all bring our own presuppositions, our own assumptions, our own desires and thoughts surrounding this topic. In fact, as we all walked in here this morning, we knew what we wanted this sermon to be. We knew what we wanted to hear. And and I think the reality is this, is that we often come into this conversation desiring one of two stances, condemnation or affirmation. That when we enter into a conversation surrounding gender and identity, we either want it to be affirmed that my, my thought process is right, that this way is correct. Or we come in going, no, we need to hear that that is wrong. So tell us, Nick, tell us that that is wrong. But if I am being perfectly honest with you, In studying up on this topic, on this conversation that we are having this morning, I don't think either of those responses are biblical. In fact, whenever you look throughout Scripture, it's interesting because I never see God saying, be straight or be gay. I never see God saying, be male or female or identify as a CEO, or as a student, or as you fill in the blank, what God says is be holy, because I am holy. He says, leave your old life and follow me. Shed your old self and put on the new self that I have called you to be. I said, as I was looking into this conversation, I heard a lot of stories, and I realized that that In reality, this topic of gender and identity is much larger than we give credence to. In fact, some of you here this morning are going to walk out and go, I don't think we even even touched the tip of the iceberg on this. You're right. We won't. 
But the reality is it is meant to open up conversations to get us to understand who we are actually called to be and understand how we can love one another in the midst of our struggles and pursue Jesus Christ together. The reality is people are hurting because of this struggle. There are people in our church who are hurting because of this struggle. And I think what we need to understand is that it's not just limited to a select group. This morning I was lovingly reminded by my wife that I struggle with identity as well. Because I don't know if you're like me, but um, in my bathroom there is an evil, evil machine called a scale. And for some reason I thought that today of all days, in the midst of preaching this sermon... It'd be a great idea to weigh myself. That was stupid. Because being the student pastor, my food choices are not always wholesome. And I stepped on there and I I took a look and I was like, no, that's wrong. And we do what everybody does, right? You take a step off, you shake the scale, hope it messes it up. And you step back on. And I was like, oh, it's worse. And I realized in that moment, and I said out loud, I need to lose weight. I need to start dieting sooner. I, I, I need to... And my wife looks at me, she goes, no, you don't. I was like, no, 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 but I do. Look at this evil machine. And she goes, that's not who you are, Nick. And it caught me that even in the midst of something stupid how much we struggle with our own identity, but how quick we are to simply push it off on a specific group of people. Some of the other conversations I have heard over the midst of the past few weeks, I talked with one individual. I said, what do you want the church to hear about your struggle with gender? This individual looked at me and said, Nick, I wish they would stop taking my struggle and elevating it over everyone else's. I wish I could walk into church and, and know that people saw me as somebody who's broken, trying to figure out what my relationship with Jesus looks like instead of something that should be pushed off to the side. They said, Nick, I, I have held a gun in my mouth hoping I could end this struggle and just be done with it. I've talked to many young ladies and I said, what would you want the church to hear? about who you are in the midst of gender and identity. And they said, Nick, we wish the church would hear that, that we do bring something to the table. That our voices are valid. That, that we have good ideas. That we're, we're, we're not just coming to like kick in the doors, but we want to be a part of the body. Instead of being told, go home, know your place, and be silent. The reality is this, is that there are hurting people in our building. There are hurting people in our community. And if we're being perfectly honest, there are people who are hurting because of what the church has done at times. And if you're here this morning and the church has hurt you, if somebody who claims to be a follower of Christ has hurt you in some capacity, I am sorry. That is not who Jesus calls us to be. And I am sorry that somebody maligned the name of our Savior to make you feel less than. 
And my, my hope is that you know that you always have a place here. That you are welcome in our community. And that you are home. And if anybody tells you otherwise, I have a real big shoe. And I'll put it somewhere it needs to be. And I have no qualms with saying that because we should not be a community that ostracizes somebody for a struggle because we all struggle. And this is a place where we do life together and we pursue Jesus as he intended us to do in community with one another. But in saying that, we have to also understand that at times our identity can be fluid, that we allow external aspects to, to tell us who we should be. We, we identify by different characteristics or, or activities we are a part of. And what we need to do is to say, well, who are we? At our core, who are we? Because that then will decide how we engage holistically with ourselves, with our struggles, with the good moments and the bad. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take a look at what Scripture says about who we were created to be, where we are now, and who we are to be as a result of that. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll be in verses 26 and following. This is the creation account. And in this account, God has already created the entire world, and now he is approaching that moment when he decides, you know what, we are going to create humanity. And beginning in verse 26, this is what we read. So God said, to, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said to them, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it. This will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, the birds in the sky, the creatures that move, everything that has breath of life in it. I give you every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So in this passage, what I love in the very beginning is that God looks at everything he's made. This beautiful creation he's made, and he goes, there is something missing. And God has a conversation. I love the fact because if you look at the text, God says, let us. And if you miss that one word, it's really cool because all of a sudden we see the, the Trinity is already mentioned in the very beginning of the Bible. And God says, let us make humankind in our image. And so God goes and he creates humankind and he makes them in his image. And stop and think about that for a moment. We were designed... We were created to be image bearers of the Most High God. We were created to be image bearers. That when God said, look, here is man, here is woman, they bear my image. That each of us, within our own masculinity and femininity, reflect the image, the imagio Dei of God himself. 
That is what he called us to be. He said, you were created to be my image bearers. But even more than that, he goes, you are also to be stewards of the gifts that I have given to you. God says to Adam and Eve, he goes, look, I've made you in my image. And since you are in my image, this is everything I've made for you. Care for it. Take care of this world. Take care of all the animals, all the birds, all the fish. I want you to be stewards, caretakers of everything. As representatives of Jesus Christ, of God himself, we are to care for this world. But if you read a little bit further into Genesis 2, what happens is God even tells Adam, he goes, hey, he goes, here's my one command to you. Just don't eat of this tree. Don't eat this fruit. With the understanding that Adam was going to tell everybody, don't eat that fruit. And what that translates into for us is God's original design for us as his image bearers, for the caretakers that he called us to be, we were also to be ambassadors who told the world about who God was. That in his perfect image that he crafted us to represent, he goes, make sure everybody knows who I am, what I've done, and how I've called you to a relationship with me. But we also see that Adam and Eve were also united with no shame. And this is important because in our culture, shame reigns. It is easy to feel like shame is just piled upon us, just constant, constant, constant. In all different capacities. But here in the garden, Adam and Eve did not look at themselves, did not look at one another, and have any semblance of shame in their lives. I mean, stop and pause for a moment and think about what that would look like today if all shame from the entire world was removed. That is how God created them. And then we also see that he goes, I'm creating you, Adam and Eve, and you are to be together. You are male and female. You are stewards of my gifts. And he goes, look, in fact, he goes, here's my perfect plan for you. I want you two to come together to to take care of this world, to be my representatives, but I also want you to populate the world for me. Fill the earth. God's design, his original design for us was for men and women to be united together, to be whole together with one another. And to say, this is who we are. As image bearers of Jesus Christ, of God himself, this is who we are designed to be. We are designed to be his image bearers. And when people see us, they see God. But the problem is, we're not in the garden anymore. The problem is, the image is broken. In fact, if you continue reading through chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, what we come to is the reality that Humanity decided they knew better than God. We get into Genesis 3 and and Adam and Eve are, are, are hearing false truths about what God has called them to. And they decide, you know what, in our humanity, we know better than God. As the creation, we know better than the creator. And in fact, we should actually be over the creator. We should be God ourselves. And so they go and they partake of the fruit. And in that moment, their world shatters. Everything changes. God comes to find them, and Adam and Eve go run and hide, thinking that they can hide from the Creator. And 
And God pulls him out and he goes, hey, what happened? And they play the blame game. And they pass the buck. And they deflect. And we pick up in Genesis chapter 3. And this is what God says. He says this, he goes, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike at his heel. The woman, he said, I'll make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. And God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. The reality is in this moment, we are faced with what we have become. We have become broken images. When we see ourselves, it's, it's so hard to see the image of God because we are faced with our own inadequacies our own humanity, our own brokenness. The perfection that God gave us was shattered when we asserted ourselves over him and attempted to exercise dominance over the creator. Instead of stewards of God's gifts, we have now become abusers of the gifts. Arguably, we have abused this planet that God crafted for us. But even more than just the planet, we have abused one another and hurt one another as we exercise dominance over each other. Instead of looking at the gifts that God gave us and saying, thank you for all this, look at how amazing this is, thank you for the relationships that you've allowed me to be a part of, we now exercise dominance and we seek to control and manipulate as we exercise our own self-centeredness over one another. Because instead of being ambassadors, we have made it now all about me. We've made it about what I want when I want. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what his word says. It's what I want. And what happens as a result is we have now become filled with shame. Because we understand that, that in and of ourselves there are problems. And we are all so good at pointing out everybody else's problems. And where sin reigns, shame fosters and grows. And the reality is this, is that we are now distorted in our identities. We've allowed for our identities to become fluid, to be defined by others, by circumstances, rather than to allow it to be God who defines us. And the problem is in that is that we are allowing creations to define what the creator has set up. So as we look at this, as we understand and we go, okay, so what do we do? 
We understand that we live in a broken and fallen world, but what does this mean for us? How do we actually then approach this? Because here's the thing. After the garden, God continued to work with humanity. Throughout the entire Old Testament, you see God pursuing humanity and desperately trying to bring them back into relationship with him to reestablish right standing. But humanity couldn't do it. And so thousands of years later, God in his infinite love and wisdom looks at his son. His son who helped in creating us, whose image we are created in. He goes, you're going to be the savior of the world. And I'm going to send you down there to be the, the price that they couldn't pay, to be the, the, the sacrifice they couldn't give. You're going to go down. And when Christ came, Christ fulfilled everything we needed. And he says, well, look, I understand that life is broken. In me, there is restoration. In me, there is wholeness. And he offers us a way. He goes, look, I am not promising it will be easy. In fact, it will probably be harder for you. But I am offering you a way to be whole. And if we look at what Christ has done, and if we say, okay, this is who he is, we acknowledge he's our savior, we know that he is who we need, he should define then who we are. And so if we look at what Christ has done and who he is, we see who we are to be. And the first thing that we have to understand is we are designed to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. In the book of Ephesians, it tells us, he says, cast off the old, put on the new. He says, when you follow me, pursue righteousness and holiness. He doesn't say flip the switch and everything's different. He goes, pursue. It is an ongoing walk with him. When we are walking with God, we are a reflection of him. People should see Jesus in us and how we live and what we pursue, and what we make the priority within our lives. We also see then that we are to be representatives of the truth that we hold to. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, the apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he goes, look, here's what you need to understand. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female. And we're like, well, that's... Interesting, because clearly there are still people like that today. In this room, we have people who have different ethnicities, people who are male and female, and people who have different backgrounds. But here is what Paul is saying. He's like, check this out. When you say you follow Jesus, what you used to do to identify yourself no longer is what you identify by. Because stop for a moment and think about how often do we identify ourselves by our heritage or our upbringing, where we live, or by our status. I'm a CEO. I'm a 4.0 student. I do this activity. I'm in this play. I live in this neighborhood. How often do we allow ourselves to define ourselves by our gender or sexuality. And Paul goes, check this out. That is not who you are. Your identity is shaped first and foremost by Christ. And that permeates every other aspect of your life. 
Rather than letting the, the, the creations identify how the creator plays a role, you allow the creator to play the role in your entire being. And he goes, here, check this out. There's no Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter where you're from, folks. He goes, there is no slave or free. It doesn't matter your status, where you go to school, what you do for a job, or where you live. And he goes, with male and female, he goes, check it out. It is not about drawing lines between the genders or segregating one or from the other. It is about acknowledging that within each of us, the image of Jesus Christ reigns. That is our identifier. That is who we are to be, is we let him shape us from the inside out. And that permeates every aspect of our being. So when people look at us, we should be able to say, when they go, who are you? We don't go, I'm a student at Hershey High School. We go, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. When they go, where do you live? You go, I may live in Hershey, but the defining characteristic about who I am is that I follow a Savior who died for me, so I didn't have to worry about it. That is who we are. But again, the reality is this doesn't make it easier. This is still an ongoing walk, an ongoing struggle for many of us. And the reality is this, is that we have to be one who pursues restoration with God. The reality is this, look, when you say, I'm following Jesus, you are not just getting a get out of hell free card. That is not what God calls you to. He calls you to a relationship with him, which means you need to pursue him. That when everything else pulls at you and says, no, do this, no, do that, you go, I need to pursue Christ. We are told by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, he says, look, who you were was crucified with God on that cross. Your sins, your struggles, they were bought and paid for. And Christ bled out for you. Pursue him now. And what I love about that word pursue is it doesn't say just be different. This is not a light switch we flick, folks. This is a walk we journey with others in Christ on. A walk that at times feels like we are falling flat on our face, and we are. But a walk where the church rallies around, picks us up, and we all pursue the Heavenly Father together. But even more than that, it's about being different people who go against the norm. Later on in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul again writes, he goes, look, here's the reality. You are not to conform, you are to be transformed. Then when you live with God, when you understand that he is the person who, who shapes and identifies who we are, when we understand that, people are going to see that we're different because we're not doing everything else that everybody else does. But this is not in a way to, to cause confrontation. It's not in a way to, to look at the world and go, shame on you. It is a way to point people to the Savior who saved us. For them to see the life change that God brings into our lives. And again, this isn't easy. This isn't something that, that, that we can look at and go, be different. It is something where we go, okay, God, like I struggle here. I know I'm supposed to be yours and yours alone, God, but like this is just hard. Help me. Walk with me, God. Help me, help me to identify with the way that you are calling me to live. Help me to wrestle and to bring others in. And the reality is, this, guys, is 
This is difficult. I believe, I truly believe each of us struggles with identity in one way, shape, or form. And within this entire conversation of gender and identity, I know there are people in our community who struggle with this. And my heart breaks for you. This has been one of the hardest things to think through for me. To say, how, how, can we, how can we walk through this together? How can we best care and love one another? We understand that our identity has to be shaped by Christ, but what does that mean for how we engage with one another? The first thing I would tell you is this, is be willing to hear someone's story. I sat with one young person this past week, and they looked at me and they said, Nick, do you know you're the first person who's ever asked to hear my story? That ripped my heart out. That was somebody from our church. It just, it just crushed me. And they said, Nick, I want to thank you because you welcomed me in and you heard me. There's such power, folks, to hearing where somebody's at. Instead of coming and deciding that we have to change them, we have to tweak who they are and just hearing them. Because I will make this abundantly clear. We don't change people. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the power of the Father changes people's lives, not us. Our job is not to change somebody's preferences or desires. That is God's and God's alone. Our desire, our hope is to bring people in and walk with them as Jesus did. When Jesus came down to earth, Jesus pulled up a chair at the table of tax collectors and sinners and sat with them and shared the meal. And when the religious elite came over and said, why are you doing this? Jesus goes, perhaps you should pull up a table, a chair to the table too. It's like when Jesus was brought the woman caught in adultery, societal protocol dictated she gets stoned to death. And what did Jesus do? He knelt down and played in the dirt. And he wrote something there, and all of a sudden, the stones start dropping. And he looks up at the woman, and he goes, hey, where'd everybody go? And she's like, I don't know, they left. And he goes, hey, guess what? I don't condemn you. But go and live a life free of sin. God doesn't call us to condemn or change somebody. He calls us to walk with them, to hear their story, to love them as Christ loves them, to walk with them and show them who Christ is in our life. Allow his spirit to work through the conversations and the interactions we have with one another. Let us live as Jesus lives so people see him in us. And then as we get to know them, as we build a relationship with them, we can share truth with them. Because to simply walk up to somebody and go, hey, you need Jesus, don't we all? Or to go up to someone and go, hey, I know you struggle with this. You don't know me. Build the relationship. Get to know them. Then you can love on them as Christ loves them. And then what you are doing intrinsically is you're focusing on the person, not the issue. Because the issue isn't ours to change. We all have our issues. My goodness, do I have issues. Sit with me sometime. You'll realize I'm nuts. We have problems, folks. Nobody looks at everybody else and goes, oh, but I can fix everything about you. Why do we try to do it on matters of identity and gender? Why can't we just see the person, love them, show them Jesus, and walk with them as they pursue him too? 
We are known for what we're against rather than what we are for. People need to know that we love Jesus, that we identify with him, and he shapes our lives. That should be what people see. And so what that means for us then is like people see Jesus in everything we do, say, and think. Our facial expressions, how we respond, how we follow up, how we don't spread gossip, how we don't laugh about certain things, about other people's struggles. And because of that, then we continue to walk with each other. And as we have built this relationship, we are pursuing Jesus together. It's not easy. I suck at following Jesus. I hope I have a job after saying that. But the reality is that's the case, folks. We are all in process as we journey together. So why aren't we walking with one another? People should enter our building and understand that they are loved because of Christ. When our doors open, they open to the world. We are a collection of sinners who gather together to pursue life with Jesus together. All are welcome in this building. All are called to pursue Jesus. Let us do that with one another. As we understand that our identity, our wholeness, is found in Christ and Christ alone. This is who we are called to be. People that are known for Jesus in our lives as he shapes us. For Jesus in our lives as we struggle together, as we walk with one another, as we pursue the holiness and the righteousness that God has called us to. The reality is, though, the struggle is real. My prayer for you today, folks, is this. Is that nobody in this room feels singled out. That nobody in this room feels like you don't have a place. That you don't belong. Because the table that Christ has for all of us is vast. And he welcomes us all to it. And he says, just follow me, pursue me. May we be a place that is known for walking with one another instead of against. May we be a place that when people enter in, they may go, we may differ on our views, our theology may not align, but we can have a conversation around our table. May we pursue righteousness together as we pursue what God has called us to Even as we talk through this today, I said we are just barely scratching the surface of a, a gigantic conversation. In your bulletin, there is a list of resources. And not all of these will speak to you. And that's okay. They aren't meant to. But perhaps there's one. I asked if I could put multiple slides up, and they said, you don't have time. I said, I know. I talk a lot. But certain ones of these deal with the topic of gender. Others deal with identity. Others are a mix. Obviously with Brian and Hunter, they deal with gender. Preston Sprinkle is a noted PhD scholar who handles topics ranging from identity, gender, sexuality, faith, and politics and culture. If you want a podcast that will challenge you, break your heart, and make you so thankful for a savior, I'd encourage you to listen to his. Jackie Hill Perry is a phenomenal author, spoken word artist, and hip-hop artist, and she is just awesome. And her book and her website and her podcast, you want to talk about finding your identity in Jesus Christ, man, that girl puts it out there. It's awesome. You have Rosaria Butterfield, um, who is a noted scholar 
and talks about her journey from being somebody who is not a Christ follower and was antagonistic of all things Christian and is now tracking with Jesus, and it's a phenomenal read. And then lastly, for, for parents, if you're interested in how to talk to your kids about healthy sexuality and identity, Jim Burns has a great book out. He's a noted physician. But again, I think the reality is, as we look at all of this, we're going, but what does this actually look like? Well, in true Nick fashion, I have something to show you. And it's a video clip of somebody that I think many of you will actually know as he talks about what it's like to live out your identity with Jesus. Take a moment and watch this. Week after week, not playing, you're a football player. You're watching this young kid go out, this Minshew Mania is going crazy. I know you're a man of faith, and I know you're trying, but you're also human. I mean, ever any doubts coming up in your mind as you go through that? No, that's where, you know, right when, this, right when I felt this thing break and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized, God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people. But at the end of the day, as I got it, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action, um, good or bad. And, you know, I still could have joy in an injury. Um, and that, that's people hear that and say, that's crazy. But it's like when you believe in Jesus and you, you go out there and you play, and that's, that changes your heart. And you only understand it when, you know, that purpose in your life, just like when I hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. The reason I'm smiling is my faith was in Christ in that moment. I realized I didn't need that trophy to define who I was because it was already in Christ. And that's my message when I play. Same thing happens when I get injured. We tend to make this so much about us as human beings. We tend to make it about us as athletes. It's not about us. It really isn't. If you make it about yourself, you're probably going to go home at night, lay your head on your pillow, and be very alone and very sad. And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life. Because my purpose isn't football, it's impacting people. And I, my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing, that is difficult from a fleshly perspective. But from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm at a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but... That's how I go through life, and the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the Word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So um, when I step on the field, I'm going against a man in Frank Wright who's very similar. He's a guy that I admire more than anything. He's a guy that has impacted my life so much, and he's going to be on the opposing sideline. So um, that's going to be fun. If you don't know Nick Foles... Nick Foles is the guy who won the Philadelphia Eagles, their only Super Bowl, so he's kind of like a hero in my life. Um, but I would encourage you if, you, if you tuned out everything I said, I hope you hear what Nick said. Our identity is not in anything else. It's in Christ. That should define every ounce of who we are. That when it comes to struggling with our gender and identity, Christ, Christ is it. That's who we are called to be. We're called to to be like Christ. And I hope today that if this is your struggle, I hope this allows you to see that we want to to walk with you. We are here for you. We are so thankful that you've come to, to this community. And know that we are championing you as you pursue Jesus in the midst of this struggle. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask our worship team. Oh, nope, I'm not going to pray. Bob's just giving me the high sign. He's went, you went too long. Sorry. So what I'm going to do then is I'm going to actually invite members of our prayer team to come forward. 
Um, each week uh, during the series, we've asked members of our prayer team to come forward and just to, to be here to pray through anything that's going on as it relates to the sermon that we talk through or anything that's going on. If there's a struggle in your life, if there's something that you want prayer for, we are here for you. And this doesn't stop when this series ends today. Our prayer team, our people are here for you, to pray for and with you. And so I'm just going to pray a blessing over all of you guys, and then we'll be dismissed. So let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful that in the midst of our brokenness, you still pursue us. Help us to be a people that that seeks restoration with you, Father. Help us in the midst of our battles with gender and identity to understand who you have called us to be. Help us to bring others in, Father. Help us to love and care for one another well. May Hershey Free be a place that is known for their love as they reflect Christ to one another. May our doors never be seen as a vessel to keep people out, but as a way for people to enter in. Father, help us to love each other well as we pursue you together. May we ever be a people that change the world in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen.